We have a special treat today. Um, we have Caitlin Crane with us, and she's going to tell us about her organization, Just One. Yeah, show her some love there. You know, we, um, what, when did you start playing? Like, when did you join the worship team? When you were 17, eight years ago. Yeah, eight years ago. And Mike used to come, and he's like, I don't know about these people. Let's go watch my 17-year-old, as you should, and let her hang out with us. But uh, we've just gotten the honor of watching her grow and, and watch the passion on her heart come forward. And, and uh, you know, as a body, we get to participate with that. You know, we get to hear what's on her heart and support that and get behind that and probably learn. I mean, it, it's a pretty heavy topic, but she's going to show us a way that's very actually impactful to make a difference in this issue, in this area. And it's, this is something that is a, a big deal on my heart, is to find out what's on your heart and encourage and inspire and empower and even create a platform or give a platform, if we can, for you to step forward. Like, for me, that's one of the only reasons to organize church is to create platform to do things that you couldn't normally do with eight people sitting around in a living room. Because I'm just not a huge fan of the organized aspect of church. I don't know about you. But when the body of Christ comes together in a very powerful way and makes an impact for Christ, that's what I'm into. So that's what I see this as today. This is not just some kind of ministry with some kind of effort that may not may or may not touch you. This is one of our own. This is part of our family stepping up here, telling you about a passion that's on her heart, and we want to support that, amen? Because we want to make a difference, and we want to make a difference with her. Amen? amen. So show her some love as she comes on up here. Appreciate you. Thank you, Clint. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Seriously, it's... Um, it's such an honor to just be able to be up here and share with you guys. It's a little different not having my guitar. Um, I'm, I'm when a few years ago when I started getting passionate about this work and the anti-trafficking movement, and a couple of friends at an event were like, "Hey, we think you should speak." And I was like, "Hold on, hold on a second. I like it when there's a microphone and a guitar involved, but take away the guitar, and I don't really know what to do with my hands. So if I start doing this, just know that's." <laughs> That's what's going on. But um, yeah, my name is Caitlin. I'm, I'm from here. I'm from Noonan. Uh, my mom and my brother, Ethan, my dad, wherever, there, there he is. Um, I know a lot of you here know me, but for the few that, that don't, I know we always have some new faces. Um, and I started Just One, my organization, um, almost five years ago, actually. And just what Clint was saying, I have seen firsthand uh, Clint and Sarah, Adam, Stacy, just so many people here um, believe in me and get behind me. And Clint, I just publicly wanted to thank you guys for how much you've supported me. I can't tell you the hours he has put in. He's done graphic design. He has helped me with website. He has answered my questions. I've blown up his phone. I'm like, my website is down. How do I fix this? Um, so seriously, it's been such a blessing. And, and honestly, it even goes back to uh, right before I decided to start Just One. And he was one of the phone calls I made and said, hey, this is an idea I have. This is on my heart. I feel like God's calling me to do something about it. Uh, what do you think? And he's like, I think it's a good idea, and I think you should do it. And I was like, 
dang it, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, so, yes, thank you so much. But um, just one, we are an anti-trafficking, anti-slavery, and I really like to say we work to, to bring freedom and hope to the one. And so I believe that um, as we work to do that, we're working in the prevention, intervention, and aftercare. So here in the States is kind of the prevention side, and that's what you're going to see a little bit of today, where we are just educating the public on how to guard against the dangers of trafficking and what it, that looks like. Um, and then in the aftercare and intervention side of things. So where many of you know, we're partnered with Teresa June Webb and uh, now Estes, uh, she got married, and um, in Desert Rose Ministries in Kenya, where we are working on building a safe house for girls there. So these children that have faced maltreatment, oppression, uh, at risk of being forced into early childhood marriage in Kenya, which is a common tradition and practice there. But um, it's something that is actually illegal, and part of that process is also going into communities and raising awareness and teaching them that this is, this is not a healthy practice. Your, your children need to be able to go to school and be kids and, and go after the dreams that are in their hearts. And so that is my heart. That's Teresa's heart. And then Gloria, another missionary we're partnered with there. We're all three kind of doing this together. And it's kind of been a long, drawn-out process. I know you all have probably heard about it quite a few times, but I know there's a few people in the room who probably haven't, And uh, but we are so excited. We're really kind of on the edge of, of beginning to start building the safe house. Just pray that all the red tape kind of gets worked through, and then and that we'll get that building up soon, So, because I just love that. And getting to spend time with those girls, a couple of them, when I went a few years ago, was probably one of the highlights for me of just... In, in my life, honestly. These children are beautiful. And when they're given that chance to be in an environment where they can be kids, where they can, you know, go to school and play, and, and they really thrive, and they're so resilient. It was just amazing to me because a lot of them have had really rough backgrounds and, you know, gone through different forms of abuse, um, but they just they flourish when they're put in a loving and safe environment. So that's kind of an overview of what we do. But to get into what we're talking about today is more of the prevention side. So I want to stop human trafficking, and I'm going to talk about what that means um, before it even happens. So as we kind of get into this content, I know some of you might think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not at risk of being trafficked. Unfortunately, if you're breathing, you're at risk. Um, but as you'll see in the presentation, there are certain factors that make some people more vulnerable and at risk than others. So I just want you to think, if you kind of start to feel like, yeah, this definitely isn't applying uh, to me, maybe think of someone in your life, because I'm pretty sure everyone in this room um, is, has, a, has a child, has a grandchild, has a niece or a nephew, a young person that you mentor that this will apply to. And so just keep them in mind and how this information would help them as we go through it. So kind of like I've mentioned, we're, we're going to be talking about human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, what that is, um, what fuels it, and how we can guard against it. So this is a top topic that we cover some more sensitive things. If there is any young people in here, I recommend it's for ages 13 and above. And also for parents, if you have younger teens, just to, you know, depending on what the conversations you've had with your teenager, you might want to 
take them out, and that is totally okay. I'm going to keep it pretty surface, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up before we dove in. So feel comfortable to, to just go out for a little while if you need to. So before we get into this, uh, the full presentation, we're going to show a video that we produced earlier on this year, and it's just going to introduce this topic for us. So I'll be right back up after it's over. I've been talking to this guy. Yeah, yeah. who is he? His name is Brandon. He just sent me this text. What's this? I'll just read it to you. First you said, you know how much I love you, but I kind of feel like you haven't shown me how much you love me. You haven't really been as physical with me as I need you to be. If you were, that would make me feel better about us. But then he said, meet me at the end of your street at 10 p.m. I'll pick you up there and we can go have some fun. Can't wait, baby, with a winky face and heart emoji. But then, when I didn't answer, he said, we're just gonna go to a friend's house because he says he wants to meet you. So, I understand why you wanna go, but doesn't that sound a little weird to you? I mean, I guess. But I, he really likes me. And if mom and dad weren't so weird about him being older, he'd totally be fine with me letting them know. So, about a year ago, I was waiting for a coffee, and this guy came up and struck up a conversation with me. And we started talking, and we really hit it off, and he got my number, and we were texting all the time. And I really liked him. I knew he was a good bit older, but... I didn't really care. He made me feel like a woman, and I liked that. He started taking me to all these really nice restaurants and buying me all these nice clothes. And I knew I was falling in love with him. And he told me all the time how he loved me and wanted to marry me. And then one night, we went back to his place. Just some friends. I don't feel comfortable. You have a choice.
you. You never told me this. I know. And honestly, it's a miracle I even got out of that place. It's not common. And it's been... It's been really hard. Healing and moving on. But honestly, some of the stuff this guy is saying... It sounds really familiar. And I just... I just want you to be careful. I really don't think he's that type of person. You're right, he might not be. But he could be. And that's what really scares me. He sounds manipulative. And like he's not putting what's best for you in mind. You're just worth so much more than that. Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna go with him. So there's a lot going on in that video, I know. And sadly, the, the stories here that this video depicts is not fiction. Um, this happens to real people. And as we'll cover later on in the presentation, traffickers will use things like social media. You saw that with the younger girl on the phone. Um, and flattery and buying gifts, um, taking the girl to nice restaurants trying to woo her heart, he'll use um, t tactics like that to lure their targets in. And sometimes things are not how they appear. You think of the young guy at the beginning of the video. Did, did really anything seem that off with him? Not, not particularly. I mean, there's like subtle things. And then kind of as it went on, then he was like, hey, can you send me a picture? Then he was, later he's like, hey, meet me at the edge of the end of the street meaning, you know, she's not going to let her parents know where she was going. So it kind of continued where it was like, something's a little off here. But it's so subtle that most of us wouldn't pick up on those things. And then later on in the video, when, um, you know, the girl, the older girl was talking to her, and she, the younger girl was saying, hey, this guy's texting me this, what do you think? What if you were, I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of, the older girl say as a parent or as a friend um, or you know would you have thought like hey this this seems a little bit off like and warned your child or warned your friend to maybe think twice about it and choose to be safe rather than sorry because sometimes it might not be a trafficking situation but we don't want to find out if it is and as you saw at the end of the video, we kind of left it open-ended. We will never know if that was for the younger girl, if that was becoming a trafficking situation. And I did that on purpose because that's my goal, is I don't want to know. I don't want people to find out if it is a trafficking situation. I want them to recognize the signs that are pointing to it potentially being one and then stopping it, whether it's telling a friend or a child or even just yourself and saying, hey, this, this seems a little off, I'm, I'm not going to risk this. And so we're going to talk about what is sex trafficking um, specifically because human trafficking is a broader term and there's so many different things that uh, human trafficking kind of entails. It's labor trafficking, domestic um, 
trafficking and, and then sex trafficking is one of those things. So I just kind of want to define this because I know that it can be a little confusing when we hear these terms. And a lot of times with sex trafficking, we think of the movie Taken, um, or we think of victims being tra trapped in daily lifestyle of exploitation or not being able to get out or they're being moved from place to place. But victims don't have to be chained up or trapped to be um, trafficked, though that is a reality for far too many. So sex trafficking is another term for commercial sexual exploitation. It is when someone is forced, manipulated into, or threatened into performing any sexual act in exchange for money, safety, or to evade punishment. Now I know that's kind of a big definition there, but basically it's, it's broader than what a lot of people think. For example, it could be where a guy takes a girl home from, a drunk girl home from a party, sleeps with her, takes some pictures, and then threatens to put them out on the internet or, you know, show them to all her friends and her family if she doesn't um, sleep with him and his friends. But that girl might still go home that night to her family. She might still go to school over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, and this could still be going on, and no one would have any idea that she is a victim of trafficking. Um, and then also, when trafficking involves a minor, you can go ahead to that. If someone is under 18 and they're persuaded to participate in a commercial sex act, that is sex trafficking and no further proof of manipulation, force, or threat is needed. So the only thing that's different here than the first definition is there, it's not required for there to be any force or manipulation for it to be defined as sex trafficking when it is for um, commercial use. So now we're just going to go over some facts. I know this is all kind of, it's, you know, it, it makes your brain kind of think and it's not really engaging the heart, but I really just want to educate us, give us kind of this broad view of what, what we're talking about, then we'll get into more of the practical. So there are approximately 20 to 40 million people enslaved across the globe today. And that's... It's a huge number, whether it's 20 million or 40 million or anything in between. I put that there. It's very hard to gauge an exact number. But to me, even if that said one, that would be too many. And human trafficking is the fastest growing criminal industry in the world, generating more than $150 billion every year. And there is estimated 100,000 minors in the U.S. sex industry. So now we're not just talking about the world, we're talking about the United States. And 14 is the average age of a girl first used in the sex trade. I know we might have some 14-year-old girls in here, and you probably, some of you have a 14-year-old daughter or granddaughter. And uh, $32,800 is the average weekly earning of a pimp in Atlanta. So now we're not just in the world, and in the U.S., we're in our home city. And so this is something that is happening globally, but it's also happening locally. And the conclusion of that is trafficking can happen anywhere, to anyone. It also even happens in our own town. The, the Noonan Times Herald has reported trafficking cases in Noonan. So it happens in neighborhoods. It happens in public places, as in how these these traffickers lure girls in from all different kinds of ways. 
So now we're going to talk about what fuels sex trafficking. Sex trafficking exists because there's a demand for it. It's the simple supply-demand factor. If there's not a demand for something, there's not going to be a supply of it. It's just like there is a demand for cheap, rubber-like hamburgers, a.k.a. McDonald's, and so there is a supply for it all over the world. I personally don't know why anyone would choose McDonald's over Chick-fil-A. <laughs> But they do, <laughs> and there's way more McDonald's out there than there is Chick-fil-A. Hopefully that'll change over time. <laughs> um, I mean, I was in India about eight years ago, and there was a McDonald's in India. <laughs> and so when there is a supply of something, that's because there is a demand. And one of the major ways society fuels the demand for sex trafficking is pornography. Now, this might come as a shock to you. I know that it did to me. And as I started preparing for this presentation, I didn't have this section that we're about to cover in it. But I, I was studying and learning and realizing how pornography is actually a major factor um, and plays a major role in creating that demand for sex trafficking. And I say this as gently as possible because I know that Pornography is something that many people struggle with currently or have struggled with in the past. I mean, statistics show both men and women, young men, young women, teens, and even children struggle with this. And so it's something that I knew needed to be talked about. I'll be honest and say I don't really like talking about it. <laughs> uh, sex trafficking is already a sensitive of of enough topic, um, and then pornography as well. No one wants to talk about sex trafficking, and no one wants to talk about pornography, but no one definitely wants to talk about both of them. And so I'm like, Lord, what did I <laughs> sign myself up for here? <laughs> um, but I just couldn't leave it out because I want to shine a light on these things, not at all to guilt trip anyone, to bring condemnation, but to, to shine a light so we can be equipped to help in the demand for sex trafficking. And so over time, as we all know, our culture has distorted God's good and perfect design for sexuality. Movies, advertising, music, it's all there. I mean, some songs that just come on the radio or on a Spotify playlist, I'm like, oh my goodness, you actually listen to the words? Parents, do you listen to any of the songs your kids listen to? There's some scary words in there. Um, but these all things is becoming, the culture is becoming more and more sexualized. And what used to be unacceptable is now normal in so many ways. Most of the secular world thinks pornography is okay. And we think that porn and sex trafficking are two different things, but actually they're both the result of the same root problem. And the root problem of so much of the sexual brokenness we see in our world today is that humans are seen as objects and not as people made in the image of God. And so that's what's happening. And it's heartbreaking. But I think we can be a part of the solution as God's people to have the truth because we know that humans are made in the image of God. And then we value them and we treat them with honor. We choose to put this thing down to not search for things on this or this that devalues a person that God made in his image. 
and the way that we are going to combat sex trafficking and see God's design for sexuality restored in our culture is by seeing and valuing humans as people made in the image of God. And just as a side note here, parents, I just want to talk to you for a second because your children are growing up in a very sexualized culture. It's a very different world than you grew up in. I didn't grow up in your world, so I don't know, but just from what I hear, it sounds a lot different. And your child or teen is one Google search away from seeing very damaging, life-impacting, potentially life-altering images, and very likely has already seen those images. Statistics show that 10 is the average age that a child will see pornography. And so... Even homeschooling families, I was, I was homeschooled, and thankfully my parents did an incredible job of helping guide me through our culture and protecting me. But still, m- most of your kids, if they haven't seen it already, they probably are going to. And this is not to scare you, but just to, to make you aware of that. And porn is very degrading and oftentimes even extreme and very violent. So I really want and encourage you to make your home a very safe place for your children to come to you and to go ahead and have these conversations with them and start earlier than later because if you want to be the first person to introduce these topics from God's design, God's view of healthy, God-honoring sexuality, you want to talk to them before the world gets to share it with them. And then also, if your child comes to you and when you create that open, honest, safe place for them to come, then they're going to come, and I encourage you to meet it with so much grace and um, compassion and not shame and condemnation, and as well as the church. The church needs to be a place where it's met with grace and understanding and compassion so people can and your children can, can walk towards freedom, walk in a healthy, you know, towards God's design. In the, in the church, really, that's what my heart is, that it would become that safe place. And I really believe this, this place is one of those because we do life together and we love each other here. We understand that we all have struggles. We do. And so I just really wanted to talk about that because it is heavy. Um, and I know that it's hard to kind of hear this and process it, given that many of us at some point have probably struggled with it or are currently struggling with it. So we're going to just talk, and I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly, but talk about how pornography fuels sex trafficking. Indirectly, it does it by driving demand into the mainstream of society. Like I said before, porn objectifies humans. Um, Dr. John Fubert said, there's a study that did brain scans of men while they were watching porn, and this would be the same for women. Um, They wanted to see what areas of the brain lighted up when they watched it. It's the part of the brain that deals with objects, not people. And why that is so devastating is the more we dehumanize someone, the more possible it is to commit violence against them. And since porn consumers do not and cannot distinguish between trafficked individuals and porn performers, they often reinforce and drive the demand for exploitation through clicks and downloads without even realizing it. And then another way is through the C-ACT factor. It's basically the tease that leaves consumers longing for more. And then Catherine McKinnon, a professor at Harvard, said that consuming pornography is an experience of bot sex, and thus it creates a hunger to continue to purchase and objectify and act out what is seen. 
And then also consistent direct or indirect exposure increases chances of exploitation. So this is the risk factor connection and that statistics show along with poverty and substance abuse, a child growing up in a home where porn is regularly consumed is more likely to be trafficked at some point in his or her life. And then also it harms our ability to start and maintain healthy relationships. And you might ask, how does, how does that make it fuel sex trafficking? Well, basically, when there's less real and healthy relationships that we have in our lives, we are more likely to seek out an alternative, and a person could potentially then become a buyer. So not only is it uh, something that fuels sex trafficking, but pornography and sex trafficking are often the same thing. So this is the direct impact. Nearly half of sex trafficking victims report that porn was made of them while in bondage. Dr. Mari Arvine stated, when you're watching pornography, you actually have no way of knowing if you're watching somebody being raped or voluntarily engaging in that act. And so even in the production of mainstream porn, sex trafficking is a regular occurrence. And I'll just stop here for a second. Again, I know this is very heavy content, but it's not being talked about. So for me, I think that it's a victory today that we are talking about this. And I appreciate that y'all being here and listening because first, when we're made aware and we know, one, especially because we have the grace message here and that we know that we don't need to hear these types of things. And if this is something you have struggled with or currently struggling with, you don't need to walk away your, with your head held low tonight or today. You can walk away saying, no, now I know, and now I can reach out to somebody, a trusted individual, and have this conversation, get help, start finding freedom in my own life, and, and be a part of the solution to stopping this, these types of things from happening. And so the conclusion, I think, and a prosecuting attorney said this, trafficking is a symptom of a problem. It's a supply response to a demand problem. And so if we can address that demand problem, we can really solve a lot of these issues. So we're kind of getting ahead here. We're getting in front of it. And that, is, and that is my goal. And I think the question that's really good to ask ourselves is this. Is the pleasure of porn worth the price of a person? If we want to be a part of ending human trafficking, we have to first be a part of stopping the demand for sex trafficking. And we can do this, whether it's for ourselves, choosing to not look at porn, getting the help we need to walk in that freedom, and parents having those hard but important conversations with your children and creating that safe place in your home so they can have someone to walk alongside them as they try to navigate a sexualized culture. So now, at the end of the presentation, I'm going to give you some helpful resources for this. I never want to talk about this without giving people some steps that they can take, whether it's for themselves or for someone that you know, um, to help in this area. So now we're going to talk about how to guard against the dangers of human trafficking. And I just want to tell you a quick story about a girl named Rachel. And she was 19. She met a guy on Instagram. And she had struggled, grown up in a home where they were very poor, and her parents physically abused her her whole life. 
And so this guy was the first person that really made her feel special and loved. And, and he said, hey, you're so beautiful. I could get you a modeling contract. So she moved in with him in Chicago and then pretty quickly found out that he had been lying to her and that he quickly started selling her for sex and got her addicted to drugs and then threatened her to basically, if she tried to contact her family, that um, you know he would sell her to another trafficker. And so at this point, I think when we hear this tragic, heartbreaking, real story, um, we think that it started with, you know, on the Instagram, this guy reaching out to her. But it really started earlier on in her life when she was abused and she was really vulnerable to being a target to this person, this guy that just made her feel loved. That's, at the end of the day, that's all we all want is to know we are loved and valued. And the good news is we are. A lot of people don't know that, unfortunately. So she was vulnerable. And that's what we're going to talk about, what the traffickers look for when choosing a target. And this is where I'm going to start getting a little more practical. So I want you to now just, again, think of that person in your life. Young people, listen up. I know you might be dozing off on me at this point, but um, this is something to just things we need to be aware of. So they look for a vulnerable and an easy target, which can be someone who is a homeless, a runaway or in foster care, someone who has low self-esteem, someone who struggles with depression, self-harm, unstable mental health, someone who is searching and desperate for love, someone who is isolated, and someone who has a drug and or alcohol addiction. So I do not say any of this. You can go back to that slide. Um, to scare anybody. I don't want to scare any young people or any parents or anybody in this room. Really just to um, make us aware of this. Because I think at some point, we have all, you know, fit into any of, or one or a few of those categories. And some of these are, are life circumstances that we have no control over. So definitely do not let this scare you, but just to make you aware. And if you need, if you find that this is something that either someone in your life or you um, are struggling and, and need some help, please, I just encourage you. There's so many people around you in this house that love you and that can come around you and and um, get you the help that you need. So, but these are some of the things that they look for in choosing um, a victim. And then some of the recruitment tools and tactics that they use are social media, online messaging, uh, porn and hookup sites, and interactive games. Um, this is one that actually was kind of brought to my attention recently, and there was a story of a, this happened with an 11-year-old girl who had a phone and was um, on a, a game for ages 9 and under. So that was the rating. And her parents was like, hey, that's, that, surely that's fine. But it was interactive. And so her dad was prompted by the Holy Spirit to get her phone. And he started looking through some messages who she thought was, she was talking to just a slightly older middle school boy. But the dad, as he read the messages, it was pretty clear is likely a much older man who is a predator and had been grooming her and appealing to her emotions. And she's like, hey, my dog just died. And he's like, oh, my dog just died too. And, and then eventually got to where he asked her to meet up. And so parents, I just say this, I want you to be aware that social media is not a safe place. Um, obviously, just the internet in general, even these interactive games. I really encourage you, before you give your child one of these access to a computer, an iPad, anything, 
um, or if they already have it, to sit down and just have some very real conversations with them about what sex trafficking is, the dangers of it, and also, of course, pornography and how they can protect themselves um, from something you know, happening that we don't want to happen. So also, they uh, posing as a boyfriend or a girlfriend, often significantly older, kind of saw that in the video, even a marriage proposition. They also utilize relationship and positions, parents, family members, school faculty. That one might shock you, but it is um, unfortunately true, especially even in, you know, when you see trafficking in local areas, smaller suburban type areas, it, it often would be a a family member or someone close to the child. And then promising or providing money or a job and excessive gifts like expensive new clothes and jewelry. So that was, you saw several of those things kind of in the video, both girls, like the younger girl, the guy gave her a little thing of jewelry. The older girl said, hey, you started buying me a lot of really nice clothes and taking me out to nice restaurants. That's something that they do. And then subtle, controlling, manipulative behavior. So these are all things to just be aware of. So young person, if you or your friend kind of starts seeing a couple of these factors with, you know, a guy or even a girl in your life, um, you can just say, hey, something's maybe not quite right here. Let me talk to a trusted adult and just tell them about this and make sure that I keep myself safe. It's really important. And so now we're going to get even more practical, and this is really especially applicable for the young people here. Um, parents, you can listen and make notes, um, and young ladies as well. But this first step, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, so just come along with me. Um, how to protect yourself from human trafficking. One, don't post pictures of yourself in bathing suits or revealing clothing or with seductive poses, facial expressions on social media. Ladies, girls, the duck face needs to go. <laughs> I, I laugh, but <laughs> I laugh, but it, you actually might not realize you're sending a message. If you're wearing something that's a little more revealing, or you've got uh, just a face or just a kind of a stance, um, you're saying, "Hey, I need attention. Hey, I actually don't know how beautiful I am." You know, and, and it's really just kind of opening the door for a guy to say, message you, and you never know. Their, their profile might look good. They might look, you know, like normal person. That any, Anybody can grab any pictures off the Internet and make a profile look normal. So you never know who is on the other side of that DM or who is on the other side of that profile. So just be very careful with what you put out there because traffickers are constantly looking for girls to recruit by looking through pictures of anyone in their network and hashtags. Um, also, only accept follow and friend requests on social media if you know them personally. Even mutual friends doesn't necessarily mean that they're someone who's safe, so just be aware of that. Um, only message people you know on social media and games. And then never post where you're going on social media. Only post where you've been. Because if you're, you, you know, this is for all of us, honestly. I think we all do this. But if someone manages to get to your page, they can track every move you're making. And it's basically like giving a trafficker a roadmap to find you. 
Also try to make sure you're with others and not alone. Just walking, especially going into cities and places, or make sure someone knows where you're at um, and when you're going to be home, just so people can make sure you're safe. Um, then be cautious when engaging in conversations with guys you don't know, so girls especially. Don't answer their questions or give out your number, um, information about you or your friends, because what appears to be harmless flirting can actually um, not be harmless. There's traffickers will recruit young, good-looking boys to even go to public places like malls and just flirt with girls. And the girls that uh, flirt back, they'll begin to kind of lure in. Um, the girls that just kind of keep going and don't pay them any attention, they'll move on from. So girls, carry yourself with your head held high, your shoulders back. Posture is important. And be alert and just don't flirt. I mean, I've, I've been going into the Publix in Noonan and had some random guy, you know, try to say something as I'm walking past. I keep my eyes straight ahead. I don't talk to him. I just keep walking. So girls, you need to do that and be aware of those things in, in women as well. Um, don't get into a car with anyone you don't know well, even if they appear to know you. Be aware of friends telling you they have an easy way to make money. Some, some young people have been pulled into trafficking through a friend. And unfortunately, that friend had been already pulled in and was being manipulated or threatened even and saying, hey, if you don't bring in more, we're going to hurt your family or we're going to put those pictures out on the Internet. So be even careful when it's a friend saying that you can make money or get away or, you know, Get, get away from your family, any of those types of things, be aware of. Don't go to a party held by someone you or your family doesn't know well. And then be aware of offers by strangers to get you into the modeling or the movies. That's a big one. Traffickers use that a lot. Um, so just talk to your parents about someone who approaches you with this offer. If it's a real modeling or acting company, you will be able to confirm that and make sure you stay safe in the process. And then finally, if you suspect that you or someone is at risk of being trafficked or possibly being trafficked, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. You can even get your phone out right now and put this number in it. Um, or if it's an immediate emergency, I would just call 911 takes a little while for that hotline to get in touch with local authorities if it's immediate. And so finally, I want to wrap up. I do want to put the resources on the screen. So what we were talking about earlier, if you would like, you're welcome to either write these down or take a picture of the screen. You might know somebody that could use this. Um, Fight the New Drug, I just want to thank them. The earlier part in the presentation where I was talking about how pornography fuels sex trafficking. A lot of that information came from their website, um, so you can go there and learn more. True North Freedom Project is actually, I work part-time for these, this organization. Uh, it's a great resource, especially for parents, um, but even for men and women to find some local counseling or just some great resources to be able to walk in healing and God's design for our sexuality. CovenantEyes.com, um, that has some, it's a subscription-based, basically, uh, program you can put on devices, computers, for a spouse, for your children, just to help protect and guard against um, the things on the Internet that we don't want to see. So I would highly recommend that. And then, of course, local counseling, Christian Families Today is a great place. And obviously this, I know Clint here and at the church could get you connected to um, counseling if that is something that would help you or someone in your life. 
And so just to wrap up, um, I'm also going to give you some action steps. Justone.org is our website. You can go back to that. Um, we have more information there. We have the video link there. So if you could pass it along. So this video, you can share it. If you go to our website, Just One, facebook.com backslash Just One International, um, we have the video at the top of the page. And just share it with your friends. Uh, you can also pass out our palm cards. We have some posters over here if you have a business or um, even access to like a school or just a place so you could put up a poster and then some palm cards that are only about this big that have some of the tips of what to look for, what traffickers look for, and um, also how the tools and tactics they use. So it's just kind of a quick like, hey, this is getting the information out there to people and you can pass those out. Also, you can host a presentation. I will come and do this and I, I have a shorter version that I can do for you know, a group of parents or in teens or if your business. I gave this presentation at a local business uh, last week. So you can come and see me afterwards about that. And then also stay connected with us. I have our sign-up sheet for our email. We are going to continue to do these presentations, might even host longer workshops in the future, and also keeping up to date with our international work. And then finally, if you would love to, I would love if you would consider partnering with us financially. That enables us to keep doing these presentations. I'm trying to get into schools, other churches, um, and just groups like I mentioned. So that enables us to do that and also support our international work. You can also buy a t-shirt because all the proceeds for the t-shirts um, continue to help us do what we do. So finally, I just, I want to leave you with this. Um, I know that you might feel overwhelmed, um, and you can keep that up for a minute. And I know this is just a lot of information to take in. I, I probably lost you, I hope not, but about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but we live in a broken world full, full of broken people, and we all know that. But I do what I do because I truly see a world where sex trafficking and slavery is no more, where pornography is no more. And I really do have hope that we could see a world like that and that we as the church can lead the way in saying, hey, this is what God's design for this is. And saying, hey, we see people as humans and individuals made in the image of God with intrinsic value and worth. And we're going to fight for them. We're going to fight for the oppressed and those who are vulnerable and at risk. We're going to share this information so more people can know and be aware. And so we can start to stop it before it even happens. Because trafficking is a cycle. And we want to, to stop the cycle. We really have to get ahead of it. Otherwise, there's always going to have to be aftercare programs and recovery programs. And those are great. But we want to get ahead of that. And so I know you just might be asking, you know, what difference can I make? I'm just one person. I mean, I was asking that for a couple of years before I started Just One and still ask that today because I get overwhelmed. I mean, those numbers are huge. But that's why I decided to name Just One, Just One, because it really is about the one. And we are working to end modern-day slavery in all of its forms one life at a time. And so if you will join with us, to just reach the one, I really believe we can make an impact. And I love what Christine Kane says. She says, no one can do everything, but together we can do something. So if anything, just remember that as you walk out the door today. 
together we really can accomplish something. Feel free to come up and ask me any questions you have. I'd be glad to talk to you. Um, and really, thank you so much again just for this opportunity, Clint, to share. And thank you all for listening. Really appreciate just the support so many of you in this church body has shown me over the last few, your, few years. It, it means so much. So thank you all. Yeah, it's not an easy subject, but the church needs to know, right? I mean, a very practical way that we can make a difference. I remember, I think Sydney was about, my, so my daughter's 16 now. I think she was 10 or 11. And I think it may have been a game that somebody started messaging her through and asking for her age and pictures and name. And, and she recognized and showed us and didn't engage with this person. I think just a couple of weeks ago, I saw somebody's Facebook post in Peachtree City that, a, a lady that we're friends with that has a teenage girl and her friend were on the cart paths on a golf cart and some woman approached them and was kind of frantic about, I need some help, I need some help. And, and you know, because that's probably one way that happens when it's more aggressive abduction rather than that easing into it. And thankfully, they just drove away. They kind of they froze and panicked, and but they drove away. And then on the news, there was a report had come out where a woman in connection with abductions in Peachtree City had been arrested. Or I think that she was in a different county, but those girls looked at the picture and it was her in Peachtree City. So the cart paths, these girls are out on the cart paths. You know, the thing is, is, is the awareness. And awareness is powerful. So share this video um, and just keep your eyes open, you know, it, it's, and, and I'll say this too, you know, it's one of the reasons why we have life groups. We don't do a lot of social action discussions in church, but through our life groups, I pray that those relationships are being built where if you have the issues that she's talking about, that you can talk to someone, you know, some of you guys in here, come talk to me. If you don't feel comfortable, talk to somebody that, you know, another guy in here. There are really great programs to help porn addictions. I mean, there are things that you can do that actually make it hard for yourself to even access it, even with all the access, access that's out there. So, you know, I, I, I want to up that aspect of the transformational element of this church as well. As, you know, we'll talk about that in our life groups. So anyway, thank you, Caitlin. We really appreciate it. Make sure you guys share the video. Check out her table. Changing the subject onto something a little lighter.